Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. Hey, welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. My name is Jim Martin. I'm your co-host. Along with me is Brad, Jeff, and Greg. And we are talking about how to convert do-it-yourself investors into clients. Greg, I'm just going to jump right in because I know you have you have so many stories of being able to convert these do-it-yourselfers into like great clients. And I think you've really built your book around this. Is that is that pretty accurate? Oh boy, I uh, yeah. From the very beginning, I thought you know these people that that you know don't want to pay an advisory fee and are here to 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 brag on how they're Vanguard or how their their stock picking abilities are superior to anything I can do. Um, yeah, th- these people are a joy to work with. They uh, are just your, just the run of the mill client that you want to have, right? So I, so yeah, I, I think that's where I really struggled in the beginning. Is is I saw clients that okay, if they're willing to meet with me, they want to hear what I have to say, not you know brag about their Vanguard account or, or whatever it is. So uh, yeah, I, uh, so many different experiences that I, I can think back to all these meetings that I had. Uh, you know, throughout the years where somebody came in and and they are their own financial advisor. And uh, and they were just kind of there for a pat on the back. Maybe they wanted me or, you know, us to do a retirement plan for them to, to show them they're okay and, and, and want to get, you know, all my best stock tips and mutual fund uh, pick ideas. Uh, just wanted to pick my brain. And what it came down to is these people will waste as much time of your time as they as they possibly can. Uh, and man, I can just think of all, if I could have all that time back from all those different meetings, meeting with these people, uh, I'd have a lot of time on my hands. So <laughs> you would. Yeah, that you know, here's what we're talking about today, guys. I know there is a lot of people listening to this on their car, watching on our YouTube channel that were shaking their head and saying, I- I've been in that position. Our goal today is to give you some tips and tricks and tactics where you can qualify these people a little bit better and you do not have to waste the entire entirety of four or five years of your time chasing people that will never work with you or really have uh, no intention of working with you. Jeff, have you ever come across to do it yourself or in your career? Uh, have I come across them? Yes, a few. Um I'm trying to think if I've ever had one actually become a client. Uh, 22 years on now, almost to the day, and I don't think I have yet. Um, yeah, you know, I've been fortunate to kind of miss this boat. Like some of you all have had a lot more of it than I have. Um, but yeah, thank, thankfully it's not, um, you know, some of them are, <laughs> they're really good at, uh, 
trying to get you to say something and then repeating it back to you like it was their idea first. Have you guys ever had that one? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I can think of a few cases where I've had that one, um, you know, come back at me. But um, no, I've been lucky. I don't know why you guys seem to have had a lot more of this than me, um, especially Greg, I think. But no, I want to hear more from you guys first. Yeah, You know, my favorite ones, my favorite ones are the people that come in. They're about 60 years old and they bring their wife and the, the guy says, you know, my wife doesn't know anything about this and I want to make sure I find somebody. So when I die, she can come to see you. And I think to myself, like, dude, I'm 45 years old. You're 60. If I do the life expectancy, I'm retired by the time this happens. Right. It's just I mean, some of the stories are just are just obnoxious. And um, how about you, Brad? Have you run into this ever in your career? Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of times. The best one that comes to mind is probably about 10 years ago. Luckily, it was at a seminar, so I could qualify him out without ever having to schedule him a meeting. But throughout the whole seminar, uh, it was a retirement seminar for teachers. And he's talking about his options strategy throughout the entire seminar. No. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And I don't remember the details of it specifically, but he wasn't, he was one of these people that knew enough to be dangerous, but not enough to know that he was eventually going to ruin himself. And he even had one or two of his buddies giving him like 20 or 30 grand for him to manage also. And at the end of the seminar, I remember I, you know, he flags me down in the, you know, while I'm walking around and people are filling out evaluation forms and I'm like, okay, like I had to be nice to you when everyone was listening, but now I'm going to, show you what kind of idiot you are. <laughs> and we have this talk where he realizes, right, that I'm not the Primerica guy selling him the mutual fund of the day. And I can I can have this conversation with him. And he's like, you know, he's like, you're pretty sharp. He's like, you're you and one other guy I've talked to before, you're you're pretty sharp. I'm kind of impressed. He's like, I'm thinking about this. What about what if I gave you and this other guy that I know each a hundred grand kind of like a contest to see who could do better. And like at the time I was fairly new and I was like, I, you know, I, a six figure account was a six figure account in my head. I was like, I would love to have another hundred grand, but I just looked at the guy and I was like, you know what? I was like, I appreciate that. But you know, that may be better for someone newer in the business that, that needs it, but that's not for me. I'm, I either, you know, entire household or nothing. I, I would have no interest in that. And he like, of course, looks at me like an alien because you know, most do-it-yourselfers think whatever amount of money they're dealing with is like enough to roll out the red carpet for them. And he's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So luckily I never had to meet with the guy, but he did offer me a hundred thousand dollars to have a, uh, a contest with another advisor, which thankfully I turned down. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. You know, I, I think we've all run into these clowns before who think, or I, I've also run into people who collect advisors and they're not always do-it-yourselfers, but they, they've got like 12 advisors I still remember my shortest meeting ever. This guy came in and he brought his statements. He said, I'm working with six different advisors. I'm like, you're working with six different advisors. He said, Jim, I want to give you $20,000 to manage. And he was running the contest, Brad, running the contest the same way. And I still remember that was the shortest meeting I ever had. I stood up, I shook his hand and I thanked him five minutes. It was a five-minute meeting. That's still my record. It was a good one. Greg, when you, uh, you've you had a lot of experience with do-it-yourselfers. I think you and I are running neck and neck on the amount of people that we have wasted time on. How, how do you qualify these people today so you don't waste as much time? Yeah, it, it's you got to ask good questions. And I used to be um, 
getting back to what you guys were saying, essentially Brad and, and Jim, what they're wanting you to do is like it to be a horse race. And I, I tell people, hey, if you're going to give me a little money and some other guy a little money, I, I'm not in the horse race business. You know, we, we do we do serious planning. And what I what I say to people, I love this. I don't know where I heard it from is, you know, we deal with your serious money if your play money or whatever. So we are, we are serious about what we do. And, and it's kind of, they're kind of like, well, it is my serious money. It's well, 20 grand, Jim, give me a break. So uh, qualifying the people and, and trying to get an idea of what they're specifically looking for help with. Now do it yourselfers. They will, they'll, they will be very, you'll have to ask them a couple questions, you know? So for example, Jim, if you're a do-it-yourselfer and I ask you, you know, what are you specifically looking for help with? Well, I need help with uh, my, my Roth conversions this year. And what's the best strategic way to do that? How are you currently uh, making those decisions now? Or are you, you know, getting, getting help from a, an advisor? And they'll tell you just by that question, if they're their own financial advisor, what I'll say to the do-it-yourselfers Someone says, you know, I'm thinking of managing my own money or I, you know, I manage my own money. I, I, I say to them, well, imagine, imagine you wanted to hire me as your financial advisor. But I told what I, what I was honest with you and said, you know, this is my first time doing this. I, I don't have any clients. And in fact, I don't, I don't even have any credentials to do this. I don't have a CFP. I've never taken any uh, securities licenses. I have no background in this. I don't have a degree in finance or anything. <laughs> you would be my first client. Would you hire me? And of course, the prospect's going to say, well, no, hell no. <laughs> I would say, but you're hiring yourself to manage your life savings. And like a light bulb should go off in their head. It doesn't. It is. They have a really nice Excel spreadsheet, Greg. They have they have they have spent a lot of time updating their Excel spreadsheet. Yes, and and you can tell when they come in with the Excel spreadsheet, like this is their jam, man. This is their hobby. I had a lady come in with her husband one time. Uh, she ended up falling asleep in the meeting. I I kid you not. She was asleep like within twenty minutes, like out cold, like just you know, back like that. Uh, but he's going on and on about how he tactically manages it. Like, you know, oh, when the market goes through the moving average, I get out and I'm sitting there like, this guy's had it, you know. <laughs> uh, but these, yeah, these do-it-yourselfers, it's, it's by the questions. You got to get really good at asking questions to really qualify people. And because they want your help, they're very eager to meet with you uh, because they, they want that free information, right? So, um Man. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, they they all they want you to validate their plan is what I found out almost every time. They they want validation that they're the smartest person in the room yep. and there's no way they're going to hire you. I think you're right, Greg. I think you've really got to qualify these people on the front end really well. And not maybe they get it past your gatekeeper and that's just the way it works. But what you can't do is go spend hours and hours of time. You need to spend 45 minutes of time and figure it out. Some of the questions we ask Right away, I like to ask people, are, have you met with a financial advisor before or are you working with one? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these do-it-yourselfers, they'll meet with five or six different financial advisors. Like they'll go to every workshop in town. They'll get every free plan. It's like a hobby for them. Like it they is. will legitimately spend their free time. Like we're, we're us. We want to go do things with our family, our friends, things that are interest us. This is their hobby, man. This is what they love. So they spend so much amount of time. So you've got to ask them. And if and if somebody's met with four or five or six financial advisors and not pulled the trigger, 
I, you, you, something's got to go off in your head that maybe this person is, is just either a tire kicker or a do-it-yourselfer. And if they're self-managing it, and I, I love, Greg, your point around Roth conversions. If like if they have a spreadsheet around Roth conversions, I had this guy come in with it. He had a huge real estate portfolio, and he was he was going through and doing his Roth conversions. He wasn't doing a great job at it when I ran it through our software and figured it out. But he didn't care. He just wanted the free information from me in order to, to enhance his Roth conversion. Yep. So, Jeff, for you, for you, you obviously you said you not met with a ton of these people. Do you? What do you think that is? Do you think you're qualifying them on the front end, or is it just uh, you repel them? Because we want some of the repellent, if that's the case. Yeah, yeah. You know what, though, I also think before we started, Greg was telling us his vivid memories of these people. I think I've blocked them out. Because you guys are bringing some back. <laughs> are we having a little PTSD? Yeah, I'm thinking of this. No, you know, like you were saying, they want you to, they want you to validate their own planning or their whatever. I kind of, I've fished out a little bit. They want to offload all the downside to you and keep all the upside for themselves if they can. Like it's this whole thing. Like I, <laughs> this guy who, uh, has been following a stock, one of those stock newsletters. Yep. Then he finally came into money. He wanted me to subscribe to the newsletter. And then he and I would talk about the stupid thing. And then I'd do all the transactions. So if it worked, it was his idea. And if it didn't work every time, it would be my idea. And I told him that. I mean, that's, I, you know, I like to talk about being clear and honest with people. And I'm like, that's, I know what's going to happen. You're going to take all the credit when it works and I'm going to get all the blame when it doesn't. Like, I don't need that in my life. Um, and, and it's the contest thing too. Again, now some horror stories are flashing back when I've been potentially put in that position. And it's like, I, what I tell them, this is a no win deal for me. Because if I do win the race, you're going to want more of whatever I just did. And I guarantee you it is going to be the wrong thing at the wrong time. And if I lose, you're going to go to the other guy and you're going to get the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like there is no winning in that horse race deal. Um, but yeah, I, you know, honestly, I think probably why I've repelled them. Um, I don't know. I must, I don't, I must be less interesting than you guys on the front end or something. Cause um yeah, you know, I, I, Greg's done a great job of asking all the questions I would be asking and what, how are you arriving at the decisions you're making now? And are you really looking for somebody to pay somebody to do this for you? And those kinds of questions. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I think it's just my law of large numbers is not kicked in quite the way it has for you guys, for whatever reason. Uh, I've had some of it over my time, but, um, but, but less of it, I think. And, and, and Jeff, I think you're further removed from your early years of, I don't want to say desperation, but like the most frantic marketing years you have, you've been in it longer than us. So I think you're more removed from, and, and that's why you're, you're not running into it as much as we probably, have I've, yeah, I've, I've just blocked the memories. I really, right, yeah. PTSD. Yeah. You can't, you can't think of it. Anymore. <laughs> And I think your marketing funnel, I think, I think Brad's points really, really well said, I think how you market, you're going to, you know, for me, I'm, I'm doing workshops and radio and TV, and you just happen to get people that are interested in this and the people that are really interested in it tend to be more do-it-yourselfers. So I, I think, I think that's Absolutely. really, uh, really real. 
I agree with that a hundred percent, Jim. It's if, you know, you and I probably do more and Brad, you do uh, some seminars as well, but I think those people, they go to the seminar because that's like their hobby. That's like, you know, uh, Brad, you're really into cars and, and maybe you go to car shows and things like that. But I mean, that's like, like I said, that's their jam. I mean, they uh, watching a, a finance TV show, you know, Jim's, I mean, that's, that's like watching their favorite sports team kind yeah. of thing. Uh, it's the people that, that subscribe to Kiplinger's Money Magazine. Uh, they go to the, I had this one guy, this do-it-yourselfer, I could story after story. He went to the library every Saturday morning. He read Money Magazine. Uh, what's what, what, what's that one magazine where it times and it ranks like a, a score? Uh, Investor's Business Daily. He would ha- subscribe and he would go to the library because it's free. I was uh, going to say, this guy's such a do-it-yourselfer. He won't even pay for the damn magazine. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to the library. Most of them are, though. These people, they, they have a lot of money. They, they're not great investors, but they have a lot of money because they don't ever spend a dime. Right? Right. Like the guy I met with yesterday... His wife was yelling at him because he's 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 done his own roof. He's installing his own HVAC. He does everything on his own. The, the guys managed to squirrel away eight hundred thousand dollars. He's not some like amazing investor. These guys are not always. I mean, some of them are good. They're fine, right? But yeah, I, I Greg, I, I those horror stories keep going because I, I want to keep okay. hearing about. I want to hear about your pain. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so they, they'll come in with articles from Money Magazine and uh, th- that they, in, Investors Business Daily that are, you know, it's obviously photocopied uh, because they got the the free code at the library where they can make copies for free, that kind of stuff. I'm, um, uh, this guy, it, it, it just, it's like, yeah, bringing back just, just terrible, terrible memories. Uh, but, but that's what they, that's, that's, this is like a hobby for them. It's like they're, it's, it's their like addiction. Uh, and especially when they're retired, um, looking at the, uh, anything they can get their hands on, uh, at, at the library. Um, let me think of some other, um, hey, when well, you're thinking about it, I think there's, I, I think there's a cautionary tell here though, not just about do it yourselfers, but you've got to be careful when you start to get some experience that you don't disqualify people too soon. Because there are people, remember, when somebody comes into your office, if they've been managing their 401k for their, their entirety of their life and have never sat down with an advisor, that doesn't make them a do-it-yourself, or they might even have read some of these magazines. And a lot of them put a front up when they come in. They they want to act like they know a lot more than they do. And you've got to be careful not to disqualify those people who genuinely want our help and are willing to pay for our help. Because that's the, not, not just want it, but willing to pay. And I think those are the, uh, I think that's an important thing because I have, I've personally sat down with somebody before and I'm always trying to get out of a do-it-yourself meeting like right away. It's just, it's usually at the worst time. I want to go home and do something else and they're in my office and I'm, I feel like I'm trapped like a caged animal. So I want to, I want to, want it to be over as fast as I can, but be really careful around that. And then the other ones are sometimes we meet people, they don't really realize how much we charge or what the fee is. Like they see their statement for their 401k and see $11 and 47 cents a quarter. And and they think that that's what they're going to pay an advisor. And oftentimes we have to educate them. Brad, have you ever run into a situation where you have to educate people on the fee and have had success on the other side? And had success on the, yeah, yeah. Lots. So that, the worst one of those that I ever had was um, again, probably 10, 12 years ago. And it was, uh, it was a teacher and her husband was like a construction worker, but I had met her at a school and they were at, uh, 
Are we mentioning broker, other broker dealers or no? Doesn't matter. They're at another broker dealer. It <laughs> $2 million and it was all, this is going back before the DOL rule because she had $2 million all in C shares. All in C shares. We have this meeting. I thought our relationship was, was really good. And at the end, they said, you know, I quoted them like, I don't know, 60 or 70 basis points or something, especially for 10 years ago, pretty cheap. Yeah. And they're like, you know, we just think that's too high. We only pay $75 a year right now. It was the custodial fee. Custodial fee. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I loaded up, I mean, Yahoo Finance right in, at their house. I was at their house, speaking of that subject. And you know, I'm showing them the expense ratio and doing the math. I'm like, you're paying $44,000 a year. And they're like, all right, well, you know, we'll get back to you next week. And that's never a good thing. And next week, sure enough, they were like, and they were nice enough. They're like, you know, we appreciate it, but we can't get over, you know, we can't get over the fee thing. We only pay $75. And it was a black and white, you know, but they just didn't get it. So that wasn't a 401k, but yeah, I hear that all the time when some, they'll complain. Have you guys ever gotten that when you'll have someone see like, oh, this darn $8 every statement. I see $8, $8, it's some nominal fee, but they're really irritated about it. You know, you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, well, wait till you see this one. I will go back, though, to something you said, Jim, that's clicking for me. I mean, I've got something hitting literally this week that I didn't think of as a do-it-yourselfer, but it is a do-it-yourselfer. Um, but the reason it's a do-it-yourselfer is because this person um, doesn't spend, literally doesn't spend any money um, and, you know, has has been retired now for 10, 15 years um, and has accumulated a number of not only the uh, retirement plan that they had their entire career, um, but then also a few like, I think there's a Vanguard account and a few other uh, mutual fund firms, whatever. Um, But uh, this is not the like know-it-all big shot that thinks, you know, they can tell me what to do. Um, It's just always worked because they don't need anything. The rate of return doesn't matter. They don't need to spend. They are, you know, take income from savings. Social Security covers their expenses. Uh, however, they've had a triggering life event, and it's the most basic thing to guys like us taking required distributions, and they have no clue how to do it wow. and what it means, and they're so scared of getting it wrong, wow. and would like to do charitable giving from the retire uh, qualified retirement plan, um, and didn't know how to go about doing it. Um, and, and, you know, what's even funnier is then they go to meet with Fidelity where the money is right now. And the guy tries to sell them on, I'm going to manage the managers and this all-star team and all that kind of crap that they do without ever talking about how required minimum distributions are calculated, <laughs> which is all they cared about. Which is what their question was, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so that's a different kind of do it yourself for that you are spot on. They just are waiting for their life event. And then they very well might value paying an advisor. So we have to, you know, it's because it could have been very easy to look at these people and just blow them off as people that were going to be annoying. But honestly, they had no need for service up until this point. Yeah, That's totally legitimate. 
but there has to be a, the pain has to be big enough to, to have them make a change. And evidently that was, and big enough so that they're willing to pay a professional fee. And, and that's, that's the biggest thing I, you know, when, when you're in a meeting and, and here you, here you go, I'm just, as, as we've been talking about this, uh, I had one guy, for example, that, uh, he he was so frugal, like the most frugal person you could ever meet. He's got a million and a half dollars, comes in. It's it's 100% in the money market. He's a do-it-yourselfer. Yeah, I found this money market and I plan to, to get back in the market. And he had all of his money at Schwab. He spent, he, he had $5 per day is what he allowed himself to spend. And on the way to my office, he bought like a McMuffin for like a dollar. And he said after, and he had the receipt there. He goes, I got like $3.43 left to spend the rest of the day. Guy's got a million and a half dollars. So he, he was afraid of running out of money. Um, I had another guy that, and so that told me like right away, like this guy, there's there's no way this guy's going to pay my advisory fee of 0.9 or 1%. And when I told him that, I mean, he about fell out of his chair. He was like 1% of a, you know, one and a half, but that's $15,000 a year. That's, ah, I don't spend, I spend $5 a day. He just couldn't get over it, you know? Um, so anyway, uh, I had this other guy, do it yourself or same thing. He had he brought in his wife. She goes, he doesn't like to spend money. And I was thinking, oh boy, he got out his coupon book. So coupon, it was like a, it was a billfold full of, coup- I mean, there were coupons. It's like pouring out of the thing. And he goes on. Um, so I'm, I'm in the Midwest and a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of my clients love the St. Louis Cardinals. We'll drive to a St. Louis Cardinals game. This guy would bring his beer. He would bring like, get a 12 pack, go sit in the parking lot of the St. Louis Cardinals and drink down beer, him and his wife. He was too cheap to go into the ball game, you know, and pay nine bucks for a beer or whatever it was. And so I was like taking all this to note, like, okay, there's no, there's no way this guy's going to pay my fee. You know, it's just, so sometimes it's do it yourselfers. They just don't want, they can't fathom paying our, our fee, the cost of doing business with us. So that's one of the qualifying questions that I, I do now tell people is, hey, do you know how financial advisors get paid and, and kind of at a high level, the cost of working with a financial advisor? Because I think it was Brad, some people have no clue whether they're in C shares. Uh, like I, I joke with people and say, hey, this is not a nonprofit. You know, we are, unfortunately, we got, we got bills to pay. Greg, or anybody else, have you noticed there's like a different type of do-it-yourselfer out there that I've actually... I think have made decent clients for me in that the, the do it yourselfer that doesn't, that buys CDs and yeah. money market accounts, right? Yes. I've met the, I've met them before. Right. Different. And I've sold a ton of, of MIGA annuities to them. Right. And that, Greg, you said that guy was in money market, right? He, he was a market timer. So okay. he was, so he he was, was in the market. Okay. Yeah, but I've gotten a, a fair amount of those people that have you know build their own CD ladder at the bank, and especially in the last ten years with interest rates, I've made you know brought in a lot of assets, saying you know, showing them fixed annuities. So yeah, yeah, I have some of those as well. There are opportunities for the saver, the saver investors, the, yep. the guy that goes to Vanguard and has to have everything in the in the VTI or whatever the or or S and P five hundred and is never going to have any bonds is not that guy, yep. but. You're awesome. right. Like the saber, I've got clients who one of them calls me his 
his fixed annuity guy. So when he wants to, uh, when he has a CD come do, he shops yeah. the rates locally. He calls me up and we look at the world and see what's out there. So there's opportunity all over, but you're right. I think that, I think you're right. There's different types of do-it-yourselfers for sure. Yeah. I, I think you really just have to, um, if you're a newer advisor, you really just can't spend hours upon hours with people. And, and if your process is such where you're not asking qualified questions in the beginning, you are going to find yourself in this hamster wheel of dealing with these people that are never going to pay you and really have no intention of working with you. Just that they just want freebies. They just want to take your time and, and abuse it. And I, I think we're all, we've all been guilty of, of doing that. But the, the idea is if you want to build a, a successful practice and reach a hundred million dollars, you cannot waste hours and hours of your day on somebody that is not going to pay you. You've got to find people that are willing to pay the fee all day long. And early on your emotional energy. Oh you know, yeah. You can't take it personal. Like you're not going to convert these, the, the one type of do it yourself or you can't, if you're early in your career and think like, what's wrong with my presentation? Is it me? It's not you. It's them. Yeah. You can't let it defeat your, your mindset. And it, it will. My, yeah. Yeah. In my early days and, and uh, I, I used to offer, okay, I'm going to offer a, a retirement plan with the different marketing that I did seminars, radio show, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I did the, I did the boost, right. The boost at the, at the uh, senior fairs or whatever. And I I've done it all. I I've man. And I, I do these retirement plans for people and, you know, I, I figured, okay, it's the cost. But when I look back and, and, and still in my spare office at work, I, I have like a big stack of all these different plans that I've done and I can go through them. And th- why did someone not hire me? Well, they're either a do-it-yourselfer or the majority of them are, are do-it-yourselfers, right? And But I thought, why would this person come to my office to get a retirement plan if they're not interested in the potential of working with me, right? And so I just, it's like, I, I compare it to the people that like change their own oil on their car and they want to do their own brakes and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to do that. That sounds miserable to me. But some people are like their own mechanic kind of thing and want to change their own oil and just, and that's, they're not, a, they're not like a trained mechanic. They just kind of, oh, I'll try it and, you know. Yeah, it's one of my best offered, friends. It's because you offered an hour free, Greg. Yeah, you yeah. offered a free consultation. One yeah. of my best friends owns a garage, and I can tell you, mechanics appreciate do-it-yourselfers as much as we appreciate them, <laughs> which is not at all. And when they finally do put something on their car incorrectly, they do pay extras for the real mechanic to fix it. They should. They, they should. should. And they deal with us too, because after they blow themselves up, there's no getting that money back. So I guess they do pay a fee in the end anyway. Right. No doubt. I I did have a a do-it-yourselfer. The thing is, is you can, sometimes they look you up and and call you back after a a market crash. And it's like, nah, we decided not to do business with each other two years ago. I still remember you. I got your plan in there, but I'm uh, I'm not accepting any more clients at this point. We're in a closed office. You know what? I, I had a guy, he's not a total do-it-yourselfer, but I remember this was, it started before a seminar. He came in, then he came to a seminar. He worked for GE. And uh, back when, you know, their stock went down to like, I don't know, six or eight bucks or something. And we were talking about it at the time, it had come back to like 15, 17, something like that. And at a seminar, he's talking to me, trying to get, you know, my free take on what he should do. And I, And my advice is almost always, you know, 
I mean, that's obviously concentrated exposure, whatever you guys know, the sh- everybody knows the spiel. Um, and he ended up, I ended up talking to him years later, I think at another event. And he's like, he didn't, he didn't, he, he held it. And then she went back down like eight bucks or something a couple of years ago. And he's like, what, you know, what do I do now? And I was like, well, Bob, I already told you what to do eight years ago. I want no part of this decision now. Cause if you'd have just done what I said, but yeah, they come yeah. back sometimes after they don't listen the first time and then want you to fix it and make it better after they screw it up. It's like, nope, can't help you. Because yep. then I will own it. It will all be my fault. That's right. Now, you, you can't help people that, that know everything and yep. have all the answers. And um, I think this has been a really uh, a really insightful co- uh, conversation, especially for, for people who have wasted, and they know it, the folks who are out there who know it, have wasted weeks and months of their of their financial advisor lives sitting down with people that will never have the intent to hire them. So let's go ahead and get some action items and some takeaways uh, from this. And and Greg, you had the you had the best stories of us all. So let's just start with you, sir. Yeah, I, I think where I really improved was, you know, asking those qualifying questions. And I actually had to write them down. I got a notebook that I kind of go off of to say, you know, this person is interested in meeting with me. Either they came to a seminar or some marketing event, maybe generally referrals. If somebody get, and I know Jeff probably gets a, a lot of referrals uh, with, with and, and, but those people are generally speaking, they're not going to be do-it-yourselfers. They're going to be ideal clients. It, that, at least that's what I experienced. But having that list of questions, almost like a script to ask, to kind of, and you're going to have to pry with these people because they're only going to open up a little bit, but they, they want to get in your calendar, want to get in your book. And so you've got to ask questions like, okay, tell me more about what you mean by that. How so? Uh, what has you, been your experience with, you know, who in your life helps you with financial advice? These, these kinds of questions that are uh, kind of more open-ended, not something they can say yes or no to, um, and I always say, hey, the, the more I, I know about your situation, the better the quality of my advice. And, and sometimes you'll have to ask, how do you hope that I can help you specifically? And, and, and they'll say, well, I'm, I'm look, I want a I second set of eyes on that. I what does that, that, that doesn't tell me anything. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I ask that all the time. It's great so, stuff. Uh, so anyway, getting better at those qualifying questions and, and not feeling, you know, like, like, uh, I need this appointment because just because they're calling you up and interested in meeting with you doesn't mean they're interested in hiring you and working with you on an ongoing relationship. So. Yeah. Good stuff. Jeff, how about you, sir? Well, yeah. And I, I as I'm thinking about what Greg's saying and maybe just reforming it into a different couple of statements, but I think the key to growth and dealing with this issue is really getting clear on what your value proposition is to your clients Mm -hmm. and being able to articulate that in a clear and understandable way. And as you're talking to potential clients, make sure that you are finding and matching with people that value what your value proposition is. And if those two things are out of whack, do not go down that road. And if you get really clear on your value proposition and get really clear on how to articulate it, and then really clear on how to ask the questions to find out if those are the things the potential client values, then you can weed through this, hopefully at a quicker pace. And so it's getting clear on that, and then finding the mismatches and weeding them out as fast as you can. That's great. Brent, how about you? 
You know what? I, I think that uh, Jeff and Greg covered it for the most part. Only thing I'm going to add is I caught that Greg's got apparently got a closet full of old untaken financial plans. So I think we need to do an episode on how much work do you do for prospects before they become clients? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. In that no one. doubt. Yeah. We could, we could spend, we could spend hours talking about mistakes on that one. I think my, my takeaway was uh, Brad alluded to, uh, alluded to it earlier. He mentioned that it, it's really the prospect. It's not you. If they say no, um, when you're dealing with these do-it-yourselfers and and this uh, this game is hard, guys. You, you if you're a financial advisor, you're going to get told no, and being told no is really hard, especially when you're sitting across from somebody you know you can help, and you know you've put your best effort forth. You 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 you've you've done the you've done the due diligence and the work, and they say no. And it doesn't matter what size account it is, by the way. It could be somebody with $50,000, somebody with $500,000, or somebody with a million. And if they tell you no, you feel like a loser. Even if you're running a $100 million book of business, right now when somebody tells me no, it doesn't sting as much as it did before, but uh, it, it's still not fun. I do not like hearing it even to this day. So that was my takeaway today. Look, um, for the listeners today, you know, we've we've gotten um, we've got a lot of feedback from the show. We are putting together a mastermind group. And I, I if you want to take advantage of it, if you want to sit down with four guys that have built from scratch hundred million dollar plus practices the right way through hard work and commitment, and you want to get pick our brains and figure out how we do this and share with each other, I want you to go out to our website. Uh, put your information in. We're not ready to launch it yet, but we're kind of building our list. So when we're ready, you can be the first on the uh, first on the invite list. But our, our website is thefinancialadvisorsedge.com. Visit that, put your information in. More than anything, we hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you leave a five-star review. Uh, subscribe to it if you're watching this on YouTube. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.